This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Thank you so much for joining us for our final series finale, The Life Worth Living. Today we're going to be talking about embracing authenticity. And I want to I want our final message in this series uh, to end in Luke chapter 11, where we were last week. But I want to go down a little bit further from where he was teaching his disciples to pray. And I want to talk a little bit about the Pharisees who were religious leaders and the grace of God, which they were ignoring in order to puff themselves up with pride. The Pharisees were putting on a veneer, a facade. They wanted everyone to think that they were clean on the inside because they were clean on the outside. We all know that's not true. So take your Bible, download the notes from the message tab, uh, or take out the notes if you printed them. And I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 11 in verse number 37. Verse 37. And I want to I want to read this verse 37 of, of Luke uh, chapter 11. And it says this. And as he spake, a certain Pharisee brought him to dine with him. And he went in and sat down to meet. So, We have already talked about how Jesus ate and dined with sinners. Now Jesus is eating a meal with a religious leader. Now there's three truths about Jesus that I see from verse 37, and I love these. I want you to notice them. First, the Pharisees must have heard what Jesus was saying, and it moved them to invite him into their house. Now we know that there was a definite rift between the religious leaders of that day and Jesus. He was not doing things the way they normal normally did things. And so for them to invite him into their house was unprecedented. And so Jesus goes there because they had heard of him and because they had heard the words he had said and the things he had done. Now, it is the words of Jesus that move us out of our comfort zone to do things that we would never do. And I believe these religious leaders would have never invited him into their house had not they heard the words he said and seen the miracles. And let me tell you, if you're a skeptic about Jesus, I would really encourage you to read his words and find out what he has done. And so Jesus is calling them out of their comfort zone in this passage. We'll read all the things he says that makes them feel so uncomfortable. But I I want you to also notice the invitation that's given. And I want you to notice that Jesus always goes where he's invited. Let me say that again. Jesus always goes where he's invited. If he's not invited, he he does not go. Let me tell you, if you do not know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, Jesus is inviting you to come into a relationship with him. Jesus, it can be your Lord and Savior. And so in this passage of scripture, he's invited into the house of this Pharisee, this religious leader. And it is an invitation that's received 
only by grace. You don't have a relationship with Jesus by good works. You only have a relationship with Jesus by grace. Now, if you would like to enter into a relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you to call out to him in your own words right now. I would encourage you to reach out to us. You can call us at 661 or text us at 661-450-8761. I would love to hear from you. I would love to show you how Jesus wants to come into your life and into your heart today. There's a third truth, though, from verse 37, just as we introduce this passage, that Jesus is as close as you want him to be. Jesus stayed uh, far away from the religious leaders the first part of his ministry, but now they were inviting him in. And if you've wandered from Jesus, all you have to do is reach out. In fact, he said this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's nigh to them that call, that want a relationship. If you want to get back close with Jesus, you are one prayer, one moment away, one moment of repentance away from entering into a close relationship with him again. And so I would encourage you to get close to him. You see, in the context of this, when they dined together, they would literally lean on one another. Uh, they did not eat with tables. They ate with uh, boards and, and on uh, nice rugs, but they ate on the floor and they would lean on pillows and they would uh, lean with one arm and they would uh, dip with the other. And, and so here's a key thought just as we uh, start that the pursuit of authenticity, we're talking about being completely authentic, embracing authenticity. The pursuit of authenticity is seeking to address the desire to reveal only the person that you want others to see. So authenticity is, is seeking to reveal, is the pursuit of revealing uh, someone else, right? It's, it's, it's trying to, uh, when, we're, when we're not authentic, we're trying to reveal someone else. We're trying to reveal, uh, you know, a person that we're truly not. But I want to I wanna back up a little bit and say that Jesus can change who you are. He doesn't have to mask who you want to be. When we embrace authenticity, we can pursue seeking to, to portray who God wants us to be, not who we think everyone else wants us to to be. And so there's three truths today that I want to look at uh, that, that are, are centering around the pursuit of authenticity. First of all, grace motivates authenticity. Truth cultivates that authenticity. And it's love that demonstrates authenticity. So let's go through these quickly uh, this morning. Number one, grace motivates authenticity. I want you to notice what Matthew says about this. And I, I love this because Matthew was a tax, tax collector. Matthew was not religious. Matthew was the, the, the sinner, right? And so this is his take on it. He says, he says, this is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye clean the outside of the cup of, of the pla and of the platter, but within there are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee! Cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside may be clean also. This is classic Jesus. Jesus was using what was around him and what was in front of him to make the point to those that were listening to him. Jesus was making the point that if you clean the outside but neglect the inside, the inside doesn't get cleaner. 
But when you clean the inside, when you focus on what's happening on the inside, the outside starts to take care of itself. You see, they thought in, in that day, the religious leaders thought that if you just had outward conformity, you would eventually have inward change. But friend, that's not how the Christian life works. And Jesus was pointing this out and he was using the cups and the platters. So these long boards that would be cleaned after a meal, these platters, which were most likely uh, made of clay uh, or, or some type of metal or something like that, they would have been cleaned after the meal. So you clean the platters, uh, but, but you're not going to clean your soul. That's what Jesus was saying. And so look at verse number 38, because verse 38 says, when the Pharisees saw, this is why Jesus was talking about cleaning things. When the Pharisees saw it, he marveled. So the one that invited him into, into his house, he marveled that he, Jesus, had not first washed before dinner. Now, if you invited someone over to your house and they didn't wash their hands after they used the restroom or something, I mean, you would say, would you like some Lysol wipe or maybe some hand sanitizer, right? I mean, especially during this time. But the word washed is not for washing hands. It's actually a ceremonial bath. You see, it's the word baptizo, which means to dunk or to plunge, but it also can mean a ceremonial wash, a ritualistic, traditional washing. So it was not what they were doing. It was them pouring the water in like certain ways to show that they were ritually clean. It was just a man-made tradition. So it wasn't a hygiene thing. It was a superstitious thing. It was a religious thing. So Jesus did wash his hands, kids, before dinner. And so should you. We should all be washing our hands a lot. But clean hands are not the end all. Clean hands are good, but clean hearts are far better. And so in verse 39, Jesus said, You do make clean the outside of the cup and platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Now the word ravening is this word for rioting. It actually means rioting and looting. We're seeing that some today, and, and our society is in some unrest but not just in our society, but in our souls, there's unrest. And Jesus was pointing out that there was some unrest inside their soul and that needed to be cleaned out. You see, they were shocked that he didn't wash, but Jesus did not use the word baptizo when he said clean. He actually used the word catharizo. And it literally means to kill or sanitize a disease away. Isn't that great? It means to declare safe, to purify, to cleanse, and to protect. Now, friend, Jesus was saying, you're so worried about what people are thinking about you that you have not cleansed your heart. And so I just want you to know that you can have big bottles of hand sanitizer and clean the outside of your hands all day long and you can have cracked hands like all of us right and, and and you can clean yourself in fact you could take a bath in hand sanitizer and alcohol right i mean you could be as clean outwardly as you possibly uh would want but still be completely wicked and completely undone and filled with diseases in the soul so how do we cleanse our soul what do we do to cleanse our soul. Just as washing our hands cleanses the outside, 
to prevent diseases. Washing the inside of our soul prevents emotional instability and relational disease and spiritual viruses that can creep in. And it is far easier to focus on cleansing the outside, sanitizing the outside of our homes and and, and our desks and and, and our, our hands. It's far easier to focus on outward sanitization than inward change. The soul has viruses and the Bible talks about those. In fact, David admitted that he needed to cleanse his heart. In fact, David in Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And so here's a key thought as we begin. That every soul has tested positive for the virus of pride. And only God's grace is great enough to give the cure. And so this is what David said in Psalm 24 in verse number 3. says this, Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully? How many of you have never told a lie? How many of you have never been lifted up with with vanity or or pride? Listen, that eliminates all of us. So how are we going to cleanse our heart how are we going uh, to, to come to addressing with an authentic spirit the inward part? Not just acting like we're all okay, but addressing the inward man. Well, there's two parts to addressing the inward man. First, we must embrace God's grace. And secondly, we must trust God's truth. And so we're going to talk about how grace strips away the, the healthy appearance in order to reveal the corrupt conscience that lies within all of us. And, and the, the, the rift here, the, the, the problem that we all have, and wherever you're watching this, you have this problem too, and I do too. There's this tension be, between promoting ourselves and trusting in God. You see, you can't promote yourself and trust in God all at the same time. It just can't happen. And so the moment we recognize how great God is, is the moment we we realize how disgraceful we are. And it is the word of God that gives us uh, this power that, that, that is called the grace of God that enables us to cleanse and to filter out all the pride and all the viruses inwardly. And so Hebrews chapter four tells us this. We can rest in the grace of God, verses 9 through 11. How do we do this? Through the word of God, verses 12. And Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of sunder of what? The outside? No. The inside, the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, all of our hearts are exposed to God. In fact, it says that in verse number 13. It says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto his eyes of him of whom we have to do. So Jesus sees the real you. And if we're going to embrace authenticity, we need to know that. We need to know that he sees right through your facade and veneer, and he sees right into your heart. A few weeks ago, my dad had open heart surgery. He had a five-way, five-way bypass and he's doing well. 
you know, there was a lot of confusion at the beginning on like what to do and, 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 and how, how it was all going to go down because they couldn't get the right angle. They could not see uh, his heart, all the CAT scans and everything. Finally, they had to go in with some special imaging and then finally they had to actually open him up to fix his heart. And the word of God and the grace of God is the only thing that can do things in your mind and in your heart. And so here's the takeaway from this point. That authenticity values the inward transformation over outward observation. We all are wanting people to observe us when we're our best, but God observes us when we're our worst. And he loves us and gives grace to us anyway. And so inward transformation is motivated by grace and it is, number two, cultivated by truth. You see, truth cultivates authenticity. Truth cultivates authenticity. I want you to notice what Matthew says about this. In Matthew chapter uh, 23 and verse 23, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Ye pay tithe. So he's saying, you pay your tithes. By the way, the Bible teaches very clearly uh, that we're supposed to give 10%, that actually 10% of what we make belongs to the Lord. So they were doing that, but they were doing it for all the wrong reasons. They were doing it so people could see them. They were doing it so they could feel better about themselves. So he said, you tithe all your spices. And he says, you neglect, you omit the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. These ought to be done, meaning tithing, right? And and not to leave the other undone. So he said, you're so focused on the outward, you've missed the inward. You have majored on the minors and minored on the majors. And so he said, you, you are blind guides. Why did he call them blind guides? Well, Luke gives us a little picture of that. He actually uses the word fools. And let's read it in Luke uh, chapter 11 and verse number 40. Is, he says, ye fools. Did not he that made which is out without make that which is within also? He's like, God, God made both, the inward man and the outward man. And so he calls them fools. It's, it's the Greek word afron, and it means without reason. It, it actually is, is referred to as blind because of being ignorant, lacking perspective or discernment or wisdom. Now the word ignorant the root word of ignorant is ignore. And what we ignore and neglect as a priority shows where we're at on our growth journey. And so here's a key thought from this second point. And that is truth can only transform those who are willing to choose to live it. If you are willing to choose to live the truth, it can transform you. But if you say you believe it and you choose not to live it, you don't really believe it at all. Now, let me give you an illustration, okay? Because uh, I think this will help. Now, when you clean your car window, okay, you probably use Windex, and it just dawned on me uh, right before I got up to speak that I, uh, I, I didn't have enough Windex for this illustration, and I, was, I had two bottles that were almost empty, and I had to pour one in the other. And so I, what did I do? I poured the knockoff brand into the Windex brand. Why? So I would look better. Okay. We're, we're talking about authenticity. I just had to have a moment of transparency there. 
So this is actually knockoff brand uh, window cleaner in a Windex bottle, uh, just being real here. But when you clean a window, you spray that window and you wipe off the dirt, you have a clear picture. You have a clear perspective. But the longer you neglect that windshield, the longer you neglect that window, the dirtier, the, the, the more muzzled the view gets, the, the, the blurrier your view becomes. And so if we don't apply the truth, if we don't apply the word of God to our hearts, we become blind with deceit. And we're going to be talking about this next week. We're going to be talking about truth be told, that we have the truth. We've been given the truth. And the truth of God is the Windex that cleans the window of our soul to give us the perspective that God wants us to have. If we ignore the health of our soul, we are actually turning a blind eye. We are actually putting blinders on. This is what David said about it. He said, wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119, 9. Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. My, with my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Well, what happens when you wander from the commandments? Well, you have sin in your heart. It clouds your judgment. So he says in verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You see, when the word of God comes in, when the truth of God comes in, it starts to expose the blindness. It starts to expose the, the lies that we've been telling ourselves. So let me say it to you this way. That if you say it and you don't spray it, you don't believe it. I don't mean like spray it like someone when they're talking, they spit. I'm saying if you're not willing to do it and you say you believe it, you don't. We have to live what we believe. And so here's the takeaway from this point. That if we do not live a life that reflects what we say we believe, we will become more and more self-deceived. And that's what the message is all about next week. And we have a, a, a series coming up that is a wonderful series. I'm excited about it. We're uncovering the lies that we tell ourselves uh, with the unchanging truth of God's word. But grace is what motivates our authenticity. Truth cultivates our authenticity. And then finally this morning, and then we're finished, love demonstrates our authenticity. Man, love demonstrates our authenticity. I want you to notice this. Uh, here's what Matthew says uh, about this. And, and, and Jesus, and I, I believe this was a great act of love. See, the Pharisees knew better. That's why he was hard on them. The Pharisees were deceiving themselves and others. That's why he was hard on them. But he was giving them the truth. By the way, the, the most loving thing you can do to someone is give them the truth with grace, with love. And so, he says to them in Matthew 23, 27, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchers, like tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones. Sounds like something right off of Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead men's bones! And of all uncleanness. Verse 28, even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within 
are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Wow. Man, that, that took a lot of courage to say that to these religious leaders. And so here's a key thought from this point. That when our love for God is the priority, our love for self will start to feel empty. You say, how can I love God? Like, how can I demonstrate my love for God? Well, we demonstrate our love for God by loving others. <laughs> and this is what 1 John 4 is all about. 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made of perfect love. We love him, we love God, because he first loved us. If any man say, now hear this, this is where we're going to embrace authenticity. If any man say, I love God, but hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he hath loved not his brother whom, if he hath, for he hath loved not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, he who loves God loves his brother also. Now, why was Jesus so serious about loving others with an authentic love? Being real about the issues, speaking the truth, but being loving, not, not, not hating. Why, why was he talking to them about not hating? Why was he talking to them about having uh, this, this, you know, dead men's bones and, and, and whited sepulchers? Well, I want you to notice in, in our passage in Luke chapter 11, this is what he says. He says, you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues, verse 43, and greetings in the markets. Oh, they would love to be greeted and bowed to, and they love sitting in their big chairs. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are graves which appear not. Now, now listen to this. This is the key. And men that walk over them are not aware of them. What is Jesus saying? Why is he so serious? And why does he say three times, woe unto you? The word woe is, the, is an expression of grief and denouncing. It's to warn. It's actually to prescribe regret. He's like, you're going to be sorry. You're going to regret this. Why is he saying they're going to regret this? Why is he warning them? Why is he telling them that they're like graves? They're like walking over a grave that they didn't even know a grave was there. He was saying, you have treated the Gentiles like they are the defilers. But in that day, in that Old Testament period, if you walked over a grave or you touched something that was dead, you were defiled. And they would ostracize you and they would, they would hate on you and they would ridicule you and they would even sometimes put you to death. And so the Gentiles were treated with extreme racism by the religious leaders, by the Pharisees. Now this message was planned over seven months ago, but I think it's really important to understand that Jesus called out racism. I think it's important to understand that what Jesus was saying here is that the religious leaders were calling out the Gentiles for defiling everyone, and they were the defilers. They were the ones that truly were defiling people because they were leading people to believe that if you're 
good on the outside, you're good. But friend, the, the reality was they weren't good. And Jesus was loving them enough to say, listen, you're, you've got it all wrong. And, and I, I love the fact that he points out that, that it's not about what's on the outside. It's not about where you're from. It's not about your, the color of your skin or your nationality. It's not about Jew or Gentile. It's about what's going on inside the heart. And, 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 and Jesus was saying this to prove the point that he loved all men. And so racism is wrong and it raises its fist in the face of redemption that Jesus came to redeem all men and women. And so here's the takeaway. And that is this. The greatest test of authenticity in Christianity is when self-sacrifice is a daily reality. If we're not willing to sacrifice for those around us, how can we say we love them? How can we say we love others when we're not willing to do anything, when we're not willing to share the truth of Jesus with them, when we're not willing to reach out and pour ourselves out for those around us. Friends, let us not deceive ourselves. Let's be real about this. If we're gonna embrace authentic Christianity, we have to start with the grace. But for the grace of God, where would we all be? The grace of God levels every every situation and every person at the cross. But friend, the grace of God leads us to the truth. And grace may motivate our authenticity, but truth, it cultivates our authenticity. Our, the truth is what peels away the veneer. The truth of, of God peels away that facade that we put up, that fake filter that we give the whole world, that everything's good. All I want is likes and hearts and all this stuff. And I, I just want you to know that truth kind of reveals the true motive, but then it's love that demonstrates our authenticity. It is love that gives us the, the platform on which we can say, this is who God is. And this is who God has made me to be. The life worth living is the life that is lived authentically with the, the thought of Jesus coming back and the thought of others needing Jesus. Friend, our society is in so much upheaval. We, we have viruses and riots and, and tension all over. But friends, we know that this is a sin problem. This is a problem of a sin-sick world and we need Jesus, we need the grace of God to come in and rescue us once again. So may we turn to him. May we not turn to our own devices, but may we turn to him. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.